What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And we're back today with another tribute episode. This is a big one from uh, Dr. Dre, his sophomore LP, technically, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Chronic 2001, released November 16th, 1999. West Coast classic, for sure. It is. You know what? It's not just a West Coast classic. This is an American classic. In <laughs> I fact, like I think that is big an album as the chronic was mm-hmm. and i could argue that that's possibly or probably his more influential album mm-hmm. i think that this was his more impactful album his more lasting album in fact i actually think this is peak dr dre and we'll get into Agreed. why i think that in a little bit but yeah let's just yeah. break it down where were you when this album dropped so i was in the dc area right i'm at oakton high you right. know, kind of been talking about this time frame. Uh, you know, we talked about the ruckus era, so I'm 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 all ruckus out. But at the same time, I'm you know I have these West Coast sensibilities. So you know, um, I love West mm-hmm. Coast music, and that's kind of where my my musical palette was educated initially. I was still a fan of Snoop Dogg. I loved Exhibit. You know, I I liked the people who were around this. And then mm-hmm. I'll I will never forget being in my basement and the radio you know radio's playing in the background my family's around my dad's like on the computer this is probably like dial-up days right and then they say dr dre and snoop dogg are back with a new song and my ears perk up Mm -hmm. even my dad's ears perk up right my dad knows snoop dogg (laughs) (laughs) and then they played still dre and i just remember just staring at my stereo like wow like they're really back like you know what i mean like i mean just that song just hearing it for the first time it's just so lush and it just has so many layers to it and i mean it's just such a great production that when i heard snoop dogg and dr dre were coming back i was like are they gonna sound like 1992 or 93 you know what i mean like i didn't Mm -hmm. I i had no expectations and then i heard that and i mean my expectations went through the roof also Eminem is is now the biggest thing in the in the world, right? And Eminem is heavily he involved is. in this project. So that's where I was. I'm in I'm in high school. Um, you know, Eminem is the one kind of guy who's cut down the middle between us ruckus nerds and the no limit people and the, you know, the the random frat boys. And then Dr. Dre drops this album with Snoop Dogg and Eminem all over it, who are like two of the biggest rap rock stars that you know we have in the game and it just cut right down the middle like everybody was about this around me so where were you so this is going to be the fall of my junior year in high school Mm -hmm. and as i said before i'm pretty much caught up to speed on all the things that i was trying to catch up on right so that would be you know the the 80s legends Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nas, Biggie, I'm starting to get more into Jay-Z right now. Mm-hmm. And not just the hits, like the actual, you know, going back to check out his stuff. Right. And this album, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit, just how this is an American classic. Yeah. And you kind of touched on it a little bit as well, that I think that there were different genres of music of hip-hop music for the different listeners. Yeah. Right. So a lot of the people who liked Eminem, you know who really liked Eminem like the way that we did not like Eminem but you know uh-huh. that they liked all that weird alien shit <laughs> you know they probably would not have liked a lot of the music that I was listening to uh-huh. and so like you might have had like a you know like you said your Ruckus camp your Roots camp your Wu-Tang right, camp right, your right. DMX Jay-Z camp 
your Snoop camp, your Eminem camp, right? Yep, and yep. I think that this is the one album that regardless of what you were listening to, yeah. regardless if you were into underground or you were into cash money or whatever, you were mm -hmm. listening to this album. Yep. You spoke last year about volume two from Jay-Z yep. yep. and how Hard Knock Life was a ubiquitous song. Yes. This album is the most ubiquitous album I can remember from a high school one. by far. 100% agree with you. comes close to just how ubiquitous this album was it was yeah. literally everywhere for so long and That's i think so that when you look at how many of his beats got repurposed for other songs mm -hmm. years after the fact like mm -hmm. jay-z's uh blueprint 2 mm -hmm. has the watcher on it from yep. this album yep. an album comes out three years later for whatever reason yep. they have that beat on it and this is why i say this is i think this is peak dr dre because uh -huh. i can't remember any of his beats that came after this album <laughs> that had the lasting impact that this, he i'm not saying he doesn't have some he yeah. definitely does you know drake has still put out a good beat now he definitely has put out beats after this album that were still you know good really good beats for sure but none like like you had like the watcher on here explosive yeah. on here yeah there was another one that the truth hurts or i think it was the truth hurts she had a rendition of a, of a song on uh, here i think it was the um which one what's the difference between me and you that beat got uh, repurposed as well yeah you know what i mean i 100 percent agree with you it's funny that you say what you said in terms of comparing it to the blueprint uh i mean i'm sorry the volume two discussion because when I started right. listening to this again, I had a like a thought in my mind, which was, what were the five most impactful hip hop albums in my high school, my high school days, right? Like, or, you know, mm -hmm. I guess we can use ubiquitous because that's the word that you used, right? And I'm right. like, okay, what really cut through? So I mentioned volume two. That was that was a, a pretty ubiquitous album. Um Eminem, mm -hmm. uh, the Slim Shady LP was everywhere. We talked about that. More so the Marshall Mathers LP? I was going to add that as five, but yeah. So, uh, but, really? but the, okay. I mean, the Slim Shady LP, because it was the introduction to him and like white people finally okay. found their savior, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yes. they got, they got the whack juice off of them from, from Marky Mark and from Vanilla Ice and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they got their God. So, so Slim Shady LP was everywhere when it, when it came out for, for me at least. Um, I would say um, this Marshall Mathers LP and what was the other one? Oh, Lauren Hill, Right. What I will say is that this album is the the one that leads the pack of all of those ones that I mentioned. Like this was like you yeah. said, everybody was listening to it. Everybody was listening to it yeah. all the time. And it was the album. You would you talked about in this time frame us, you know, being kids and and going to random somebody's random house to hang out or a house party. This was yeah. the CD that was playing yeah. at every house party. Like you know, bar none. You, if you was going to the white kids, the lacrosse, the lacrosse, you know, party, they was playing this. You went to the basketball oh, yeah, kids yeah. party, they were playing this. Like this was everywhere. When you went to the high school party, they like the high school dance. They they were bumping this. Yeah. And one of the vivid memories I have was when I was in a computer graphics class, mm -hmm. and you know everyone is doing their graphic design work mm -hmm. on our little adobe machines <laughs> or our mac machines with the you know adobe whatever right uh photoshop this that and the other and we're all listening to music while we do our work and mm -hmm. this was one of the albums that you know everyone was listening to yeah so do you want to go to the uh the critical reception 
I mean, we've already mentioned it. Um, <laughs> at least in terms of the peer review, the peer reception is this album is a classic. Yeah. It's I, amazing. And I think in a lot of ways, it's better than his first album. In a lot of ways. I agree with you. Um, and I will say this is one of the um, the ones that the source came back and corrected. They gave it four and a half mics. <laughs> yeah, and then four when and they, a half. What the fuck was that? Right. And then when they did their like their episode where they, they apologized for all the five mics that they missed this was like at the top of the the list yeah and you know the odd thing is is that i don't even like every single song on here mm. i don't there's a lot of songs i'm just like meh but i don't yeah. care because the songs that are amazing yeah. are so good that i'm just like i don't care about the ones that i don't like well you know because the album as a whole like i get it like it's just it's just it's a masterpiece you also talked about you know something that i think is a good point here uh when we talked about outcast right which is like there's songs right. here that aren't amazing but they just work in the run right mm -hmm. like the like they did a very good yeah. job of like sequencing the album and packaging the album in such a way mm -hmm. that the records that you don't need they don't stand out to a point where you're like let me get up and like you know change this yeah i hear you and in terms of the other critical reception from at least from the mainstream uh, you know it's actually not as praised as you would think we've seen other albums that it's like tens across the boards or, or fives you know 100 percent marks across the board uh -huh. and this actually didn't get a lot of that like yeah there's a c rating on here from somebody i from the village voice yeah they i don't know up. who that is but what were they <laughs> thinking or q magazine gave this a three out of five stars what, yeah. what are you thinking yeah. what are you listening to yeah. this is a three out of five star album that what man no. I, I think we're at a point <laughs> here make any sense. we're at a point here where in 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 music journalism i think where um gangster rap and i'm throwing air quotes and and by gangster rap i mean you know the death row west coast dj quick you know era of of hip-hop for for east coast a lot of mm -hmm. east coast publications was was a thing of the past and so I think, you know, yeah. these people kind of probably commented from the perspective of these themes are not the cool themes anymore. I got you. But they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they definitely are wrong. Um, I mean, just because if we're just talking about this strictly from a musical point of view, I oh mean, forget God. the subject matter, just yeah. from a, a sonic audio oh musical point of view. This is a near flawless album. It's amazing. Like the, uh, the mastering on here, the mixing is just is great. And then, like I said, there's so many beats that just stood the test of time and were repurposed for other songs. I mean, how many other how many albums have so like I think three tracks, three tracks on here were repurposed into other songs that became oh yeah. hits. Oh yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, so two yeah. funny stories. One, I have a, a record that's a, a, a remake from here. Uh, you know. You and me too <laughs> is uh, what's the difference, right? Uh, what's right. the difference between right. me and you, right? That's like the same hook. Uh, so I mean, I was definitely influenced by this album. So that's the f number one. Number two, um, when I set to do um, my my two uh, projects in the Basquiat series, uh, <coughs> New Art, New Money, and The Radiant Child, I worked mm -hmm. with uh, this this mixing mastering engineer, uh, L Rocks. Shout out to L Rocks. And when I first started working with them, he goes, what's your definition of good? And I'm like, what do you mean by definition of good? And he's like, he's like, you know, name me an album that you that you think is what good sounds like. Like I like I went when you when I master your album, I want to know what a well mastered album sounds like to you. And I immediately said the chronic mm -hmm. 2001. 
And he was like, oh, wow. Right. <laughs> he, that's was a good like, choice. he was like, that's tough. <laughs> He's like, damn, I got work to do. Right. But to me, like, this might be the most pristine hip hop album I've ever heard. Still to this day. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, we're definitely, you know, throwing on some hyperbole here, but it's, you know, you can't have that conversation without mentioning this album, in my opinion. Exactly. So highlights, lowlights. Oh, man. What, what, what I would say is like this. Let's just do general lowlights and highlights and okay. then just go track for track and talk about it. Why not? Because okay. we're going to end up doing that anyway. Let's do it. So generally, if there mm. is a lowlight for me, mm. it's the back half of the album. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. It's yeah. just that the front half of the album it's so high yeah. and so constantly high Agreed. that I think that when you start to get to let's get high and it's a good mm -hmm. song and you know, bitch niggas, murder yeah. Inc, some LA niggas, housewife, act right, bang, bang, the message, like these are good songs, mm -hmm. but they don't match the energy and the output that is on the front half of the album. Right. So if there is a low light for me, it is generally, it's the back half of the album. It's yeah. the part of the album that I do not enjoy the most. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, wow. Um, that's it for me. So overarching, and you know, this is kind of a little bit more hindsight, I'll say, but um, kind of the general, you know, sophomore misogyny. But I mean, that that's kind of part of mm -hmm. it's become Dre's shtick, right? Like we said the same thing on The Chronic and it's like yeah. you wouldn't have The Chronic or The Chronic 2001 if you took that away. But um, but I do think mm -hmm. that, you know, it's kind of like like some of this is unnecessary, like some of these skits, you know, like bar one. <laughs> for example. Some of those skits like, are unnecessary. Like, you know, but yeah. I mean, I guess it gives the album some personality. But I agree with you that the back half yeah stalls a little bit when you think about just how the how just the first like 10 tracks just like rip and run yeah i mean we we talked before about you know albums that had great 10 track runs and we mm -hmm. talked about outcast equipment which still is up there yeah. but when i made the comment about outcast equipment i mm -hmm. think i had forgotten about chronic 2001 yeah. and i think that from from the total package perspective, uh -huh. given the lyrics and the subject matter on Equimini, I will still go with that 10-track run. Right. But just from a, a musical point of view, yeah. I mean, the everything from, you know, track one, like even the intro through the next episode to me is just, yeah. it's a very, very, very good 10-track run. Agree yeah. wholeheartedly. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, do you have any general highlights? Aside from the obvious musicality of it? Yeah, I mean, you know, musicality, uh, you know, production, mixing, mastering, just like, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the what I call ghost notes on records, right? Like, mm -hmm. like a note that they played, you can tell they played it on a keyboard with a with an instrument that's an instrument that you can't hear, but you can feel. Like there, there's right. so much of that on this album and it's just, it's so amazing. Like, like it's emotive. You can listen to the instrumental without any of the words and feel the emotion mm -hmm. of the tracks. And I, I mean, that's just so amazing. Oh, yeah. Particularly in a song like What's the Difference? I, I definitely yeah, hear the emotion in that track. For sure. But uh, Eminem, uh, who, who, you know, was, was wrote a writer on, on a lot of these records um was is a highlight um you know jay-z who wrote some on this uh was a highlight yes um you know everybody who wrote because you know dre comes yeah. off sounding cool 
It's perfect for his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might be one of the and and sorry if I'm if I'm excluding something because I'm just I'm just thinking about this album right now. This might be one of the first albums that I really dug into that really dealt with aging out of gangster rap. So, you know, you get a lot of themes mm-hmm. on this album about, you know, you're fucking with a family man, you know, like I'm not really, I'm not trying to be gangster yeah. anymore. Um, I'm, I'm older now. I'm, I'm doing, you know, and those types of themes you didn't really hear from like gangster rap before this. No, it took Jay-Z another 20 years before he decided to do it. Right. <laughs> right. And we, and we patted him on the back and he was 50. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, this is, this is, is great. Nate dog is amazing, but he's, he's always amazing. It's almost yeah. like you, you just kind of expect it. Uh, who else is a highlight? Mm-hmm. Exhibit is a highlight. Cause every time he came, he, he came, uh, well, let me just interject here that, my general highlight mm-hmm. is just the features. Okay. That's just what I was going to say. The features yeah. are really, really good yeah. on this album. Yeah. Um, all of them. Yep. You know, uh, King T. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a good feature on here. Hitman. He good feature. Devin yep. the Dude. Great feature. Yes. Snoop. Corrupt. Yes. You know what I mean? Good yep. features. And I was going to say specifically just the writing in general. Mm. The writing is good. Like yeah. these, you know... Um, you said all of these points before, but uh-huh. these were also highlights of mine that I was just thinking about. The writing is really good. Dre's mm-hmm. lyrics on here, which he did not write, right. which he which he spit, were are really good. Yeah. So you know, I yeah, yep. it's not just a good musical production. It's a good, well, very well written album as well. Yeah. So those are my those are my general highlights here. Can I can I add Melman and Scott Storch uh, because mm-hmm. those two sure. also oh, yeah, definitely Scott Storch, helped yeah. as producers. Yeah, on some of the big big efforts here. Mm-hmm cool well let's just get right into this with uh with the watcher um and just how that <laughs> album starts after the intro i mean unless you want to talk about the intro i don't really need to talk about it let's talk about it um you know so the intro i okay. mean you know uh dr dre is taking us back to the west coast um he starts with uh the sound from uh what is it 20th century fox or whatever that that motion picture sound the, is. the thx uh, thing, the thx yeah. that's what it is and he got sued yeah, they sued yeah, the yeah. pants off of him for that uh that particular I can see why. supposedly yeah. they they was like a multi-million dollar suit like they got a lot of money off that Jeez. but um he's that's, telling that's you re- absurd but okay uh, no. it is what it is it's a it's a recognizable sound but um that that yeah. sound you know is a sound that you hear when you're about to see a movie and he's basically telling yeah. you this is a movie and it's set in the west coast and um you know i feel like as a as a west coast kid who i remember being young at like you know around high school age and you know all of our, my friends we'd all sit around and talk about like what ki- what kind of car do you want like when you get when you grow up when you when you get older and you you get your own car mm-hmm. like what kind of car do you want and everybody else's cars was like i want a mustang i want a jag i want this mine was like i want a low low on switches like that's just like a, a west coast <laughs> rite of passage so i feel like you know him yeah. him coming down the block and then being like oh that motherfucker hanging is just like i can see it like i can visualize it like okay it starts with the movie sound and then the movie starts with dr dre you know in this low low riding down the street and everybody egging him on so i thought that was dope like it, it set mm-hmm. this scene as to what this album was going to be about so yeah i mean the watcher just what a good beat what a good yeah. tempo um i like the energy that dre has on it it's very authoritative but also very calm yeah. and chill relaxed yeah. so you know it's a very sharp delivery mm-hmm. and 
So I'm looking at it. The opening track of Dr. Dre's second album reportedly goes written by Nas. Oh. The track shows how Dre feels about what the state of the rap game is at uh-huh. um, compared to his previous album. Yeah. So apparently, um, yeah, apparently Nas is the one who goes wrote this. I didn't so, know that Nas was a writer on this. I didn't either. But what I want to say yeah. o- about this record is, um, man, this is Things Done Changed. Like, this is literally, yeah. this is like, they listened to Biggie's first album and was like, let's make a commentary on the state of the game now, like how things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's a great opener. Which do, you, uh, which do you think is better, though? The production on The Watcher is definitely better. The, the production um, on The Watcher is definitely better, for sure. Yeah. Biggie's Biggie, so, you know. It's hard. It's hard to to, yeah. to air against Biggie with lyrics, you know. This is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, should we? Uh, do you have anything else to add for the watcher? No, it's just amazing. It is just amazing. <laughs> what I, I have to say though, I wonder why Jay Z chose this beat for Blueprint Two. And on yeah. one hand, I think it's a testament to how good the beat is mm-hmm. that it could still rock three years later. But at the same time, too. If you're Jay-Z getting mm. a beat from Dr. Dre, wouldn't you want the new hotness and not something that he had as an opener on you would his think. album? Like, you would think. It just it doesn't really make sense. Maybe he just gave it to him. Yeah, but like it, it's it's not even I mean, look, I have my feelings about Blueprint 2. They're well documented. It's one of our most popular, most listened to podcasts. Right. So they don't need to be repeated. But I just mm. think that that was just I don't know, it was a waste of Dr. Dre to to get this beat on that. Album. Maybe it was uh, because you know, I mean, he probably had a, a a good deal of unreleased Rakim at the time, right? Because Rakim was there yeah. for years, and then his album yeah, came right, out. Was. So, so maybe he just had like, yo, I, I got a Rakim verse here that I never did anything with. You, do you want it? I don't have an album to put it out on. All right. Well, yeah, uh, we get into fuck you from yeah. uh, you know, featuring Snoop and Devin the Dude, and I guess this would be one of the misogynistic songs that you're referring sure. to. For sure. The one the one thing I don't like about this song is I don't like that voicemail in the beginning. I'm sure when I was younger I thought that shit was funny. Yeah. But that's kind of fucked up in my opinion. Like I, I I get it. I just think that I don't know. Like if I were making an album, I wouldn't put that on there. But yeah. who knows? Maybe it's because maybe I'm too respectful. Maybe I, I'm just too much of a nice guy. I just think it's kind of fucked up. I mean, Cameron made a whole career off of off of his voicemail messages. So you know, I, I think this is kind of a thing. Cameron has a career that I do not care for. So <laughs> that's just that. I just, I'm, just, I, I'm not no disrespect. I just don't care about his career. I'm just it saying that that the, the, the sophomoric misogyny thing is like yeah. it has been a gold mine for many people in hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I get it. I get why why they did it and why it worked. This beat though and this song is just another like oh, man, I just want to fuck you. I love Devin the Dude. How can you not like Devin the Dude? Yes, He's I just do like love a, Devin a man's dude. man's rapper. And and it's funny cuz you know, we talk about sophomore misogyny. He's probably my mm-hmm. favorite sophomore misogyny artist, you know, other than Snoop Dogg, right? Like But see, something about Devin the Dude and I want to talk a little bit. I want to discuss this when when we go into corrupt as well, because I have some opinions on corrupt. Okay. But something about Devin the dude doesn't bother me as much as say someone like corrupt does. And I remember when you were talking about the when we were talking about Pimp C on one of the last episodes when we were talking about I think it was uh, Super Tight. 
and you know you were saying how you know Pimp C's one of your favorite rappers but he's also the most misogynistic right but you know what's funny though I can't tell you how many women I know who absolutely love Pimp C and are oh, not yeah. bothered by anything he has to say and I contrast that with someone like Corrupt and I was listening to mm-hmm. Corrupt's album because we were, we were supposed to do a I'll put you up on that mm-hmm. and for some of his songs I, kept, I just kept thinking it's like yo Corrupt is not like a sex symbol and mm-hmm. I don't doubt his sexual progress like I don't <laughs> doubt that he does these things to these women that he says he does like I'm not doubting that at all I'm not challenging that uh-huh. but what I am kind of challenging is the idea that he is a sex symbol like women fuck with Snoop women fuck with Pimp C and I don't know if women fuck with Devin the dude but he sounds like a dude that they'd fuck with so whereas I'm, like when we talk about misogyny when I hear from corrupt I'm gonna challenge I'm like, you you're going I'm, way over the top here go ahead I'm, I'm gonna challenge you a bit in, in that you know when has you know what dudes who had any level of celebrity looked like ever mattered yeah. to groupies it, it's not it's not about i'm not talking about looks i'm talking about uh-huh. attitude i'm talking about personas but like, like so what i'm saying is this okay hold on hold on Here, here's what i'm saying here's okay. what i'm saying i am sure that corrupt still has groupies i, mm-hmm. I i'm not doubting that mm-hmm. but what i'm saying though is it like on a larger scale mm-hmm. i know that people just fuck with snoop mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah and like so when i hear misogyny coming from him it doesn't bother me as much because i feel like fans of his who are women don't care yeah. whereas i can see a person who doesn't really know who corrupt is mm-hmm. listening to him be like who the fuck are you to say this i could just uh-huh. i could just see that now maybe i'm putting too much into it and yeah. corrupt isn't even on this song devin the dude is on this song yeah. but my point though is that like devin the dude doesn't give me those kind of vibes like uh-huh. when i listen to, to devin the dude on here i don't get uh-huh. this sense that he hates women whereas when i <laughs> yeah. listen to corrupt especially on like uh ho is a housewife uh-huh. and some of the other tracks on his album yeah. i'm like dude you're really spiteful towards women it's like, interesting really that, really hateful it's interesting that you say that I, I i agree with you in terms of his his tone um yeah. I, I i i i don't agree with you that he probably doesn't do this stuff because I, I think he probably does um, sure. And 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 I say that because you know, especially in you know the research that I did for um, the um, the dog uh, the dog Snoop Dogg uh, debut album, the the Dre album, etc. There were a lot of stories of you know Snoop Dogg being Snoop Dogg, right? He he's Snoop Dogg, right? And so like their inspiration for these albums as they worked on them was Snoop Dogg would basically bring these large groups of women to hang out and smoke weed with them and then they right. would you know disappear off with them right so if snoop dogg brings 10 women to the studio snoop dogg can't have sex with 10 women so sure. at, at that point in time you know daz being snoop's cousin spoke a lot about you know snoop passing off girls to him so i'm assuming since daz and corrupt were together you know corrupt probably had the same experience um and he talked about how you know them being like regular dudes from the block you know who are, are the little mans to to snoop dogg and then snoop dogg becoming this super duper star and then these women just wanted to to throw themselves at them now because because they're in the entourage of snoop and i think that that perspective on women is what shaped 
a lot of these sentiments that you hear from them. You know, them being like, you didn't care about me at all when I was nobody. Now I'm still kind of nobody because I I'm just tangentially related to the person you actually want to sleep with, but you're sleeping with me. You get you get what I mean? And you hear those. I, I do get what you You hear you those mean, themes in a lot I of their songs. Like, like it, it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like these are records that they're talking about these experiences. And I feel like to some degree they're jaded on women based on the experiences that they've been having with them. My point though ultimately uh -huh. is I don't doubt his exploits that's not what I'm doubting that's not what mm -hmm. I'm challenging what I am kind of pushing back a little bit on or at least questioning uh -huh. is what I'm saying is like when we talk about like how misogynistic this song is and, uh -huh. and how misogynistic Devin the Dude is and Snoop is and Pimp C is for me something about it like it doesn't maybe my definition of misogyny is a little skewed and, and that's fine so if anyone wants to challenge me on that, that that's cool but like it just it doesn't always seem hateful it doesn't seem hateful coming from them like it seems like sexy coming from them maybe it's sexy Whereas, like when I hear no what, you what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is <laughs> this, this guy obviously that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying like there is an, a, there's an appeal to it that I think that women I know can can get behind and support because I know that they're, they're fans of these artists uh -huh. but when I hear from corrupt I'm just like I can't imagine like any woman listening to that and being like and finding it appealing um, and it for me it comes off more misogynistic from corrupt than it does from these other artists that's my point yeah the crazy thing is um, on the west coast at least corrupts verse on ain't no fun and corrupts verse on explosive women rap those verses harder than any dude okay yeah they love it but i will say though you know corrupts persona is also not a sexy persona you know to use your word um, right you know so i mean you know you got this like spitfire rapid ba battle mc you know for all intents and mm -hmm. purposes and then he's rapping about how you know he's passing hoes around and it just it doesn't sound like like Snoop Dogg is a charisma rapper, you know, Devin the Dude yeah. is a charisma rapper. These guys, like you listen to their music and you want to hang out with them. Corrupt is not yeah. that at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. We should just get on to uh, Still D.R.E. And this is a song that I absolutely love riding to in the car. Yes. Um, every time it comes on, I have to stop and just listen. Like this song is, is so good. I mean, from, from the strings that Scott Storch yes. provides, from the, yes. the lyrics that Jay-Z has, the video, Snoop's ad-libs i mean this is one of the few tracks where snoop is featured on it and i'd want a verse but really i don't even need you the don't verse need because his, exactly. his hook his hook and his ad-lib is you know 95 plus four pennies so lush yicky, yicky, yicky. so so lush production put it in, put it in aya aya yeah um jay-z rapping from the perspective of a of a west coaster and really yeah. kind of nailing the details you know like yeah. like that's when you say wow you 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 are an amazing ghostwriter like you know this doesn't sound like a, a guy who's spent his whole life in brooklyn like you know right. he, he 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 nailed the details and i really respect the writing on this record i think that's the thing that besides the production because the production is amazing but um mm -hmm. that the thing that impressed me the most was, was jay-z's you know pen on this yeah i mean we we touched on it when we talked about the highlights but the the writing on this album in general is great and dre really delivers yeah it's not just he's spitting a verse like 
Like he, like this is Dre. Like what the things that he's saying are Dr. Dre for right, sure. Right. He just didn't write them, but you know, it's just a testament to Jay Z to be able to do that. Yeah. But you know, it shouldn't surprise us either. He's definitely one of the top MCs, and he's also well versed. Yeah. You know, yeah. we 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 mentioned before how maybe in New York they didn't have love for like in general, the the West, the New York scene did not have love for artists in the South and artists on the West. Right. Right. But Jay Z is not one of those guys. Jay Z has love for just hip hop for, 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 for it all and That's he true. you know he took his lessons from Tupac and Ice Cube and Dre and yep. DOC he took lessons from all those cats and learned from it so yeah. that's just the kind of guy he is so for him to be able to do this doesn't surprise me at all yeah. but um, yeah this is I think this is my favorite song on the album I thought Explosive was your favorite so that, that's surprising to me actually why would you think Explosive would be my favorite um, you know, just just in knowing you, like that's always been a song that like could get you up. Like you really, you know, you really uh, at pause, <laughs> but uh, you really like like <laughs> okay. that record. Like when it comes on, like I see the energy. I always thought that that was your favorite record. I mean, the the, the beat is it's, amazing. They're both great and records. So. I was having this debate with myself: which is the better song, Bag Lady or Explosive? And I think at the time. I really wanted to hear Explosive more. So when we were out yeah. and whether it be at a house party or just a get together and this song, this, you know, music is playing. I think that Explosive was always the record that I wanted to hear more. Mm -hmm. But I think over time, I think Bag Lady, especially if we're just talking about the lyrics and mm -hmm. the vocals. Um, I mean, the vocals are great on Explosive as well, but I think Bag Lady for me is a song that I actually prefer more. Okay. I prefer this song um, just from the perspective of that okay. Bag Lady came after Explosive. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but Bag Lady is, is is also great, and it has it actually has a, a meaning that <laughs> that matters <laughs> as opposed to what Explosive is about. So mm -hmm. you know, it's just a nostalgia thing for me. Yeah. So one of the tracks that we skipped was Big Egos, and this one's featuring Hitman. Yeah. Um, this was not. This was. Um, it's a good song. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but you know, it's it's a good beat. I like what they did with the effects in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think Hitman is, is fine on it. But um, yeah, it's it's a cool song. It doesn't ruin the run at the front. It's not as big yeah. as the songs that come before and after it. Uh -huh. But I you know, it's a very good fine piece of filler if we want to call it filler. Yeah, I don't even call it filler. I really like it yeah. and, and I think I think that was another person that I meant to mention that I didn't mention. I think Hitman is an ultimate oh, yeah. highlight here. And it's like, he's someone who, for a lot of us, kind of came out of nowhere. Like, you know? Um, and it's wild because every time Dre drops an album, he'll introduce us to people. And then those people, a lot of times those people don't even really go on to do other things, but they're amazing in that context and in that setting. Um, we had the same thing with King Mez, who was on uh, Dr. Dre's most recent uh, album. So, uh, you know, but Hitman is, is all over this project and this is his first, you know, appearance here on the album. And I think he, he was great. According to Genius.com, um, DOC is the person yep. who wrote Dr. Dre's verse on this. He's, he's credited okay. on, the, on the wiki page as well. Tracy Curry. Okay. So, yeah, what's the, uh, what's the difference? You know, we talked about songs that could emote just from the music, just from yeah. the instrumental. And there is so much feeling in this beat. Um, which was why I think it, it is was it it wasn't Truth Hurts or was it Truth Hurts who took this song 
and did her own rendition of it. I forget who it was. Oh, you're talking about Breathe, the um, the the Blue Cantrell record. Blue Cantrell, thank you. Yeah. I knew I knew it wasn't truth. Yes, Blue Cantrell. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I, that that is a, a good remake too. Yeah, it is a good remake, and it works because of just how you know, just how much feeling there is with this uh, with this piece of music. For sure. But um. Yeah, man, the features on here, Exhibit, Yo. and particularly Eminem, good for sure, for sure, for sure. And this is when Eminem was, was was killing shit, but of course he he really killed this. And and Exhibit was was dope on it. And it's like I like I like how the energy rises. You know, we talked about in Benjamin's how Styles verse got pulled off because Puff wanted the energy to rise. And I think Dre did a great job of orchestrating this so the energy rises. And we get to the Eminem verse and he just murders it. Stop the beat a minute. Like oh, Eminem. He has more reference is about you know killing killing his wife which is annoying but whatever the verse is hot and the energy is hot so for sure yeah it doesn't annoy me as much as it does on uh, bonnie and clyde 97 or whatever it was so before we move forward i i I don't want to discount because we didn't really talk about explosive in in detail those Uh features are incredible i had never heard of six two but six two appears on this record and he's dope Mm mm-hmm so that's all I want to say. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Light speed. This is a song that I didn't like as much back in the day, yeah. but I really like it now. I love the hook, and that beat is just so Yo, chill. I love and it. It's easy. Yeah, I love it's it. good. It's yeah, really good. and I always liked it as like a like a bridge, right? Like mm-hmm. between what's the difference, which is a mega record, and forgot about Dre, which is a, a mega record, both featuring Eminem at a time where Eminem is is white hot. You know, I don't really have anything else to add to Light Speed other than it's just a I don't know, it's just a, a dope song. I love how how Light Speed ends, where it, where it just solos to the lady's voice stacked on top of the guy's voice, and it's just Light Speed, laser energy, the galaxy. One of the other things I do like about the song is that it's it sounds like something that um, like the energy of it sounds like an organized noise song not not necessarily mm. the beat it, it sounds like a Dre beat uh-huh. but like the hook the way that they harmonize on that yeah. and the things that they're talking about like light speed you yeah. know outcast and organized noise they, they, they definitely have this like you know star or space galactic right, right. sound kind of yeah. and uh, it just kind of gives me those kind of organized noise outcast vibes so yeah I uh, forgot about Dre <sighs> man another another amazing beat and another amazing verse from eminem um wow Good Lord. so i'm i'm gonna go ahead and 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 finally give a, a an unpopular opinion here um wow. to me this is okay. the most overrated song on the on this album um, wow. white, white okay. people loved this song and i understood I why like white people like this song it must, it must have right? been my white have to like this song it okay. must have been yo like and it, not to say that it's a bad song right it's it's fine it's good it's it's perfect in the run it needs to be here but um I'm just not as impressed by rapping fast as most white people are. And I feel like this oh, was well, the that's song too. where Eminem, Eminem ap- appeared, so so it's an Eminem song. And then you've got Eminem rapping in double time. And so I think that's yeah, what everybody was so impressed verse, with. But the lyrics are really good. What do you say to somebody you hate? Or anyone trying to bring trouble your way? One of his off things in the blood of your way? Just study your tape of NWA. One day I was walking by with a walkman on. When I caught a guy, give me an awkward eye. You look and strangle them up in the parking lot. But it's dark or not. I don't give a fuck if it's dark or not. I'm harder than me trying to park a dodge. But I'm drunk as fuck. Right next to a humongous truck in a two-car garage. Hopping out with two broken legs trying to walk it off. Fuck you too, bitch. Call the cops. I'ma kill you and them loud ass motherfucking barking dogs. And when the cops came through me and Dre stood next to a burnt down house. With a can full of gas and a handful of matches. And still weren't found out. Right here. So from here 
Charleston too. Slim Shady, hotter than a set of twin babies. And a Mercedes Benz with the windows up when the tip goes up to the mid 80s. Calling men ladies. Sorry, Doc, but I've been crazy. There's no way that you can save me. It's okay, go with him, Haley. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. it's no. it's a good it's a good song. Kind of, it was Eminem with a verse, not really talking about anything. Um, in yeah, he's not talking about and, shit. And, but it's know. I just I yeah. I like his verse on here. Like this is yeah. Eminem. Like when Eminem features like this, like mm -hmm. I'm cool with it. This so. is one of one of the most popular songs off this album. So I I realize that I'm in the minority. But when I listen to this album, I skip this song personally. Interesting. Because yeah. for me, the song that I skip is actually the next episode. Yeah. I don't listen to that song only because yeah. of all the hits on the album. Oh yeah, it's definitely like the most hit, right. hit record. Right, and I've heard it so many times that yeah. I just look I, like I love that sample. I, I love what they love did with that, that sample. The, it's so from, good. from the edge. Right, yes. from the David Axelrod, like I love how they did that sample. Yeah, and uh, one of the stories I like about it is uh, I think it was David Axelrod. No, is it Axelrod? I it think is. that's his name. Who, whose record it is. Yeah. yeah. Or David McCallum. Yeah. David McCallum. David McCallum. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. David McCallum. Um, one of the things he said was that he didn't respect hip hop music and sampling and all that shit until he got his check <laughs> from The Edge and this sample. And then he's like, all right, I'm good. I love hip hop <laughs> I'll now. shut up now. He's <laughs> like, I'll, I'll shut up now. You can, you can pay me these royalty checks. I'm, I'm happy with that. That's hilarious. So, but uh, this is, this is a good it's a good um i like the the throwback reference to the next episode yeah. you know because it goes back to the um just chill to the next episode next yep. episode and this is the next episode and it's a dope track you've yeah. got stoop on it as well it is a good beat it's just this, one that when i listen to the album i i skip this is a standout nate dog performance and i find mm -hmm. myself i find myself revisiting this song when i miss nate dog like okay like it, you know hey hey smoke weed every day like everybody loved that like you play this this out cd at a par at a party everybody's waiting for hey hey smoke weed every day <laughs> so yeah, i mean I, I, I love this song for that reason okay so now we're getting into the the back half of the album and right. i don't have as many opinions on this because okay. when i was younger real talk a lot of times I just didn't even listen to the back half of the album. I mean, when yeah. I was going back to revisit it, I remembered all the songs. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this one. I remember this one. I remember that one. Yeah. But I don't really have any stories. One thing I yeah. will say was that songs that I didn't like as much back then that I probably do like, like more now. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Bitch Niggas and Murder Inc. are two songs that I'm like, oh, okay. Like mm -hmm. I can have a more favorable opinion on these. And yeah. act right for some reason, like act right. I don't know. Yo, I didn't. I didn't vibe to that back in the day. But I, I love like, okay. act right. And the last yeah. time I listened to this song or this album, I remember turning to the homie and being like, "Yo, this song is misogynistic as fuck." But I <laughs> love this song. I loved it back then. I still love it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. No, it's a. It's definitely a, a, a good piece of music. I'm not sure why I wasn't feeling it as much. And it could be just because the other songs that surrounded it. You know, they, they were fine, they were good, but they just didn't do it for me as much as the ones on the front half. I feel like with Akrite, I could see that whole picture. I always tell hmm. people like, you know, the criticism of Cali dudes, some of them are, are definitely uh, legitimate. And the one criticism that I hear from a lot of women about dudes from LA is the whole, you know, try to holler at a girl, girl rejects you. 
well, fuck you. You don't look good anyway. You ugly. Yeah. And they that's do that like in New York too, don't they? <laughs> I'm sure they do, but you know, I'm like sure they do I feel it everywhere. Like LA dudes get that stigma, like, and so okay. you know, this whole story that he's telling, he's like tugging on her arm. Oh, you ain't the bomb, like you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> that's, that's so this bad. whole story, it's just like I feel like I could see his whole, you know, like story happening, playing out. So I think that's funny. Yeah. The only other song I I, I want to mention here is uh, well, there's there's two, but the first one I'll say is um, some L.A. niggas, right? Man, uh, I love this yo, song. you are so right when it comes to like, in my opinion, Biggie has a, the best flow of all time. It's not it's not even all that close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like, if there is one person who he did borrow a lot of his elements from, especially when he yeah. was younger, this is young Biggie, uh-huh. is King T. You were so right about that. <laughs> yeah. And like, because because when he came on, I was like, oh yeah, that's gotta be King T. I'm coming straight out of Compton with a loose cannon. Smoke big green, call it Bruce Banner. Watch your manners at last, another blast from the top notch. From way back with the pop rocks, I pop rock with ya. Picture this, Dr. Dre twisting with the licks, and Hitman bought a fix. Don't trip, it's a time bomb in this bitch. Here we tick, 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 tick. Wait a minute, it's on. I tell it like a true macadelic. Weed and cocaine so separate. Check it, from sundown to sun up. Clown and run up, the aftermath of beat two in your gut. Nigga, what? Yeah, Biggie definitely borrowed some <laughs> elements. Some, some. And as yeah. he as obviously as he grew, as he matured, his style was way more unique. But a right. lot of like his early freestyles and stuff uh-huh. is definitely reminiscent of King T. There's there's yeah. no doubt about it. And yeah. and and you know, that's just to me, that's just, you know, respect to King T, because uh, he's someone who I never listened to back in the day. Right. But because of my you know, because of my affection for for, for Biggie's music and just his whole style, uh-huh. uh, I do have to give props to, to King T on here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you you were gonna uh, add one of your anecdotes. Oh no, nah, I mean I just I love some LA niggas. Again, you know, we're talking about yeah. a time frame where I'm on the East Coast, um, and West Coast music is now being seen as oh that sounds old school, that's old, you know, everybody's into cash money, um, you know, there's still some no limit going around, you know, there's our back the backpack kid and so like you know some LA niggas was again you know just reinforcement of of home and I've always loved Mm -hmm. all everybody on here except for Nocturnal I probably was a a huge fan of at some point in time you know Um, so I I really just enjoyed everybody's performance okay Um, the only other song I I need to mention is Let's Get High and the only reason why I'm gonna mention this is because I prefer what Pimp C and Bun B did with this sample more so than what Dre uh, did with it, just because I love that um, the the backstroke, uh, tighten up uh-huh. on your backstroke. Like, mm-hmm. I just love this song on Riding Dirty. I just prefer that song mm-hmm. over this one. Um, but that's yeah, not a song that I heard back in the time because I didn't hear Riding Dirty until I had already graduated from high school. Right. So obviously I heard this song first. But if I had to compare the two, yeah, I got to go with the uh, the joint on Riding Dirty. That's a, mm. that's my jam. But that but that's it. I don't really have any other anecdotes to add to these uh, to this album. Word. I love. Uh, let's get high as a non-smoker so that was a thing um you know <laughs> um and that was yeah. dope and then um I-, I wondered why hitman was called hitman and so i feel like they kind of weaved this whole little car bomb murder inc thing in here to kind of explain his name <laughs> right uh and that was fine i mean i i enjoyed it just in in the context of what it was housewife was interesting because there was a previous version of housewife on corrupt's debut album 
And so I thought it was going to be the same song. And then it actually ended up being, they, they tweaked it a little bit. This song is actually on Corrupt's album, um, The Streets is a Mother. Oh, was it that one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's but it's but that. it's like a yeah. little different though. Uh, me, I mean, to me, I was because I was listening to yeah. both of these albums this week and they sound the same. But I could be mistaken. Yeah, I think I think that it's a little they changed it a little bit uh here. Okay. But um okay. I really liked Bang Bang. Um Yeah, it's a good song. And it's like, you know, the the gang bang, oh my god, LA's so violent record, which cool, I like that. And then um, the message was interesting because prior to that, I didn't know about his brother that passed away. One, right. two, Lord Finesse gets a beat on this record. And at the time, I'm a big DITC, big L fan. And, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm happy to see Lord Finesse in the credits. Um, and then Royce the 5'9 wrote it. So that was also interesting to me because I, I was an Eminem Royce the 5'9 fan. Yeah, I mean, look, Dre knows how to pick his writers, and he did a great job on this album because yeah. it's another good verse. And at the time, right, Rich the Five Nine isn't isn't a huge name, you know. Well, like he's not he a household name. The, all the underground, yeah. the underground cats know him, but you know, he's not a he's not a household name. I still don't think he's a household name. I feel like Eminem gave his man's the the connect on this one. Like I don't think he yeah. gets it just from being Rich the Five Nine, right? Like he. I think you're right. Yeah, Eminem. Eminem's writing on this, and he's like, yo. My boy can write so. yeah no that makes sense yeah. uh, gotta gotta give it up to detroit so yeah and i think it was a kind of a you know they had all this like super duper you know like gangster tough misogynistic and so i thought it was nice to kind of end on a, a positive note or to some degree like something that's a little bit more pensive no definitely more pensive for sure did you not like that 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 song the message I do. I just don't have anything really to to add about it. Like it's like yeah, I, yeah. I like the song. It's cool. I just I just don't have any. Yeah. It doesn't really resonate with me like okay. the ones on the front half of the album because like I said, it's just like half the time when I listen to this album, I stopped it after track eleven. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? So none of these songs on the on the back half sit with me the way that the ones on the front half do. Yeah, I think for me, like there's in this era of hip hop records. There was kind of always like one song where like the artist let you in a little bit and like kind of t- gave yeah. their own personal reflections about their life. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Lucky Me was on volume one. Like, you know, right, the right, message right. to me is like that for this album. So I think I just really enjoyed enjoyed this song because it, it actually it's actually him being vulnerable and talking about something in yeah, his life. Not know? for sure. So uh, do we have anything else to, to discuss on uh Dr. Dre Chronic 2001 that came out in 1999. So, um the album the album had been touted as being called The Chronic 2000 um as a lead up. So, you know, what Suge did because, you know, Dre had fled uh over to Aftermath and and had left Death Row behind, he still had the rights to um some of um Dre's catalog and etc. So, he went out, recruited a dude that sounded like Snoop Dogg and another dude that kind of sounded like Dr. Dre and put together this compilation, this two disc compilation and put it out in advance of this album and called it the oh, Chronic geez. 2000. So it made wow. Dr. Dre That's have so to petty. change. Yeah. So and then and then I think he also may have copyrighted the Chronic, which is the reason why it's called 2001 and it's actually not called the Chronic 2001. Yes, this is true. You you are correct. So, it is called 2001. Yeah. yeah. So he had he like he, you know, pulled his his death row card and essentially tried to, you know, supplant 
Dre. And I think I think his move actually worked a bit because I think people went out and bought Chronic 2000 thinking that they were going <laughs> to get some like Dr. Dre, Snoop, and that's not what they got at all. So Well, it didn't affect Dre's numbers at all, but I guess it yeah. helped out Suge's pockets. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, I heard something about the... Um, the the back catalog for for death row um going up for sale fairly recently i don't remember who got it hmm. yeah i want to know uh i don't pay attention to i haven't paid attention to any of that stuff in a while so yeah anyway that's all i got man uh shout cool. out to scott storch he yeah for, amazing for, well yeah let's uh hope he's doing better <laughs> it, apparently he he is supposedly is he is he making music anymore um, he's still at least posting videos of himself making beats. I don't know if any of those beats are getting placed. I hope he can, he can find his groove again and start associating with different people. Yeah. So he got married and, and has, you know, gone to rehab, you know, for a substance abuse problem. And so supposedly he's right. kind of back, back on the right foot. I don't know if you saw the recent Fat Joe interview. <laughs> No, what did they say? Fat Joe did a a recent interview and they asked him if he had any Scott Storch stories and he was like, Oh, I met his wife. His wife is really cool. He was like, he was like, Scott Storch fucked the most industry bitches out of anybody ever in life. I'm sure. And then he like he he talked about how like, you know, basically Scott Storch was just out here doing the absolute most. He gave a specific story that I will not repeat on this podcast, but if you want to go <laughs> look it up, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, Scott Storch was a wild dude. Um, it's good that he was able to, you know, get on the right track. The other person I want to mention is Mike Elizondo, who played the bass guitar on all of this album and was amazing mm. as well. He he was Dre's co-producer on all of the music around this time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I think that should wrap it up for our 20-year tribute to 2001 uh, from Dr. Dre. Nine five plus four pennies. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, nigga, I'm still fucking with you. Still waters run deep. Still Snoop Dogg and D.R.A. Nah, nah, nigga. Guess who's back? Still. Still doing that shit, Andre? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Check me out. Okay, nigga, though I've grown a lot, can't keep it home a lot Cause when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock You hear the bass from the truck when I'm on the block Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Dre fell off How, nigga, my last album was the chronic They wanna know if he still got it They say raps change, they wanna know how I feel about it you ain't up on Dr. Dre is the name, I'm ahead of my game Still puffin' my leaves, still fuck with the beats Still not loving police Still rock my khakis with a cuff and a crease Still got love for the streets Reppin' 213 Still the beats bang, still doing my thing Since I left ain't too much change Still, I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them corners and them lolos, girl Still, taking my time to perfect the beat And I still got love for the streets It's the D.R.A. I'm representing for them gangsters all across the world Still, hitting them corners and them lolos, girl Still, taking my time to perfect the beat And I still got love for the streets